Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and my guest today is Captain Doug Hansen, El Paso County Coordinator for the Salvation Army. How are you doing today, Doug? I'm doing well. Good to be here. Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing the ins and outs of the Salvation Army and how they are putting American Rescue Plan Act grant funds to good use in the community. Uh, but first, if you're interested in more stories about ARPA funding throughout El Paso County or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Doug, if you can uh, share a bit of background about the Salvation Army uh, how long have you guys been here in the El Paso County region, and what is your main mission? Boy, a bit of our background. You've asked for a lot of information, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and relax at this point, so now it's all on you. Go ahead. Well, I am getting a little bit better at summarizing this, but the Salvation Army, we've been around since 1865. Yep, we started, uh, we're based out of London, England. We are a church. Most don't know that. They uh, they think that I, as a director of the Salvation Army, uh, fold dirty clothes all day or, or something <laughs> to that effect. Uh, but no, we've, uh, we are the world's largest nonprofit, um, and uh, we've been in Colorado Springs and in El Paso County since 1889, so 133 years, and um, we do a lot of different things. So the Salvation Army as a church, our, our aims and goals are very uh, evangelical and, and Christian in nature. Uh, our three legs of our mission is to save souls, grow saints, and then thirdly, to serve suffering humanity. And it's that third leg that perhaps uh, gave us um, a claim here in America. <clears throat> and it's just the things that we do for uh, the general people in society. We we certainly want to preach the love of Jesus like any church would, but uh, we get really caught up, uh, especially adding to that, but showing the love of Jesus. And so it's the uh, services we provide, the food, uh, the lodging, the, the caring for the community. And uh, we never require anyone to listen to, uh, to be proselytized to. That's not a requirement for services, but it is the why behind why, why do you do what you do. Wonderful. And approximately how many people do you serve in El Paso County and what communities do you serve? Yeah, great question. So we do serve all of uh, El Paso County, so all of the cities that are inside there. And we do have uh, multiple um, uh, operations within the county, namely here in uh, central uh, Colorado Springs off of, uh, I guess, our close big cross streets or Circle and Galley. And then in uh, North uh, Fountain Valley area, South Strathmore Whitefield area, we have another operation that helps service uh, people. But, um, sorry, your other part of your question was, where do we serve and how many, right? Mm -hmm. That's okay. right. Yeah, so uh, last year we tracked 45,000 unique names. So that's 45,000 individuals. Now, if we start to go duplicated numbers, our numbers exceed 300,000. Uh, so 45,000 unique names. So you just get your calculator out for the county. That's one in 15 people, the Salvation Army, wow. had an impact in their life impacting that many people. Can you talk about how important it is for the Salvation Army uh, to be considered a pillar within the El Paso County community? Yeah, I mean, we've been here for such a long time. I mean, I was looking at our history a bit ago. Our first offices were on, uh, boy, it wasn't even called Colorado Avenue back then. It started with an H, the street name. Boy, I forget. But it was right off of Tejon <laughs> and what is Colorado Avenue where that big, huge red building is. It's a county, I forget what the name of that building is. It's like eight stories tall. Anywho, we <laughs> were there downtown 1883, uh, you know, in the wild, wild, uh, eight, 
sorry, 1889, when it was the Wild Wild West, and we've been a staple of the community. But I think it's the um, just being there for a long time doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> that, that adds to it, but it's the services that we provide uh, right now, and, and we have for the last 133 years. But why are we so important to this community? Boy, I think it's the breadth and the depth of service. We provide, frankly, so many different services. It kind of glazes over people's eyes <laughs> as I start going on a long list. But it's that in those varied services, we have some things that are low touch point, but uh, mass populous, like uh, our Thanksgiving feeding program. It's very nice. And and, and we fed uh, over 2,000 people this Thanksgiving at four different locations within the county, home delivered meals, uh, and we'll do the same thing on Christmas Day. Uh, But it has a a low impact on their scale of life. Um, But with our case management programs, for our um, our homeless veterans programs, for our, our homeless shelter downtown, and then our phase two homeless sheltering where you get upgraded from a shelter to an apartment complex, when those people graduate successfully in the self-sufficiency, move out of needing assistance, uh, getting a job, moving out on their own, that's a very deep or very uh, lasting impact in their life. So that breadth and depth of services that we provide for uh, we think we're the largest service provider in the county with 45,000 unique names. Yeah, that's certainly something to be proud of. Uh, I want to get to some of those individual services in a minute. We'll get to those later. But uh, I wanted to get to the ARPA side of things. Again, that's the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, After submitting your grant request to the county, like all organizations did uh, who received funding, uh, the Salvation Army was awarded $50,000 of that ARPA funding. Uh, can you talk about what that money has gone to fund? Well, first of all, that was that's a huge amount, and we very much appreciate it. You're helping continue this uh, work that we're doing. So, yeah, we use that to fund uh, case management for homeless services. So the idea is that we're not trying to become uh, the best house. Uh, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to be the best at housing homeless people. We're supposed to be the best at transitioning homeless people from homelessness to self sufficiency, and that's really where we excel at. But it can't happen but by case management. And we overemphasize that. I mean, people that want to do good in this uh, sector and do things for homeless people on the fly just out of the goodness of their heart, well, that's valuable and needed. But um, it's really through the filter of nonprofits that can uh, that have the bandwidth, the case management, that can uh, provide services to help out individuals, I think is what is changing the needle. So um, what is moving the needle on homelessness? In the last three years, or the last two years, El Paso County has seen the point-in-time count. That's when we count our homeless population every third Tuesday of January, countywide, nationwide, it has to happen, every county in the nation. And uh, our numbers have dropped. Our numbers have dropped, which is a very unique marker in America. Now, people might say that they observe that homelessness is more dramatic or that they've seen more people in their neck of the woods or downtown, but the reality is the numbers have dropped in key sectors of homelessness. In certain areas, they've gone up. In certain areas, they've gone down. But it's the work that in this county, not just the Salvation Army, but other agencies are doing to help not just house homeless people, but to transition them into self-sufficiency. And that's what ARP does. So ARP has helped us to be able to provide more case management uh, we've more than doubled the amount of case managers that we've had just in the last two years. Part of that's through COVID funding, the generosity of people in El Paso County, and really the American Rescue Act 
I'm, I'm doing the acronym wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> it's okay. ARP. <laughs> American Rescue Plan Act. Plan Act. Ah, I just missed a word. Arp, I was so close. ARPA, yeah, yeah, yeah. ARPA, thank you. Okay. Yeah, but it is, uh, that's the heartbeat of what it needs. I mean, that's not just throwing money at a problem. It's throwing, uh, it, it's, I think it's the right way to solve it is through case management. And you've mentioned a couple times about working with different organizations. I think, again, one thing that has been highlighted a few times on this podcast is uh, the number of organizations, the number of nonprofits that it takes to make a change in a community. Yeah. Right? Uh, so can you talk to us a little bit about what working with other nonprofits looks like in this area and how it's benefiting the programs that you guys are working on? Yeah, if, if the listener is not that used to um, the nonprofit world, I mean, they could probably name a handful of them, but <clears throat> know that in this community there is a, a lot of collaboration and there's many different uh, entities that are uh, designed to be collaborative. Like United Way in every community, they're a collaboration of nonprofits. The COC, the Continuum of Care, which that's a... Um, it's mandated by the federal government that every community have a COC, but it's um, it's really a collaboration. And it's looking, uh, the continuum of care is looking at from birth to death, what are all the services that humans need from, you know, like uh, free reduced lunch meals all the way up to, um, I'm missing the right word for it, but end of life care. And it's the continuum of care is looking at a human in all of its totality. And we're part of the COC as many, many, now, I think, all of the big players, certainly, and many others of the nonprofits are with the COC to ensure that, one, if we identify a problem in the community, is there a nonprofit that's solving it that just needs more resources? Do more nonprofits need to be part of that? Or does a new nonprofit need to start to address uh, any gaps in services? And usually it's not forming a new nonprofit, but the COC, the um, the Home, Homeless Family Solutions Collaborative, which is a consortium of eight nonprofits or seven nonprofits that just deal with homeless families. But all these collaborative efforts together are helping us to uh, make sure we're working together, uh, to make sure that all the areas are solved, and that no nonprofit feels that they have to do everything in that bracket. There's certain things the Salvation Army is not interested in doing. We want to find our niche, stay in that niche, and uh, and become experts in it, as we feel that we are, and our stats indicate. But we we work better. We refer often. Not so much a jack of all trades, but uh, to be expert at one or two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. And we do so many different services. I just said that before. So sometimes I feel like I might be contradicting myself, but the, <laughs> we just have such a, a large uh, team of people that make it happen. But we are very selective. Our main focus at the Salvation Army is families and veterans. So we have many different services, but they're all intended to support families and veterans. And our track record with those two populations is very high. The, we're about to convert our shelter to an all-family shelter, trying to be more within our area of expertise. And that's exactly where ARPA funds are helping out, is at that homeless shelter, um, case managing them. Very good. And so I said we would get back to some of the other programs that you guys are working on. I, I think that especially during this time of year, uh, for those uh, listening, we're recording this on December 8th. So again, get, getting into the holiday season. The Salvation Army becomes, I think, a lot more visible to most people yeah. during this time of year. Uh, from the red kettles that people are familiar with that they can see in front of different stores to the Angel Giving Tree program. Yeah. So why is this time of year so important to the Salvation Army and running these types of programs? Well, if I could just brag a little bit, because that's like my uh, my job. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. When there's please. a micro camera, it's like an inner job interview, right? Like you're not supposed to be humble. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Don't be braggadocious, but 
Don't be humble. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the Salvation Army, we grew up, uh, you know, we were founded 150 years ago. Christmas wasn't really a big deal until a few decades after Charles... Um, Charles was, Dickens. Charles Dickens. Man, I should have these things right if I were to be <laughs> citing them, right? Forgive me. So Charles Dickens wrote that uh, in the mid-1800s, mid to late 1800s, and that is what was the birth of a, of, uh, a meager, tiny holiday called Christmas that probably was as popular as Valentine's Day or... Um, but it, it grew up right alongside the Salvation Army growing up in America and globally. So those red, those silver bells, the red buckets that you see all around town, uh, we've been ringing those for 125 years. And uh, the uh, the song, the Christmas song, Silver Bells, Silver Bells, what, you were going to sing that for us, right? Uh, I No. No, okay. That's I probably, pro- no one wants to hear that, I, I can <laughs> promise you. <laughs> well, that song's about the Salvation Army. If you listen to the words, it says that people know it's soon going to be Christmas Day because they hear the, the silver bells ringing throughout the city. And it's about the Salvation Army. We grew up with uh, Christmas, and we are synonymous with it. And so we are a staple of Christmas. But we are a staple of Christmas not because we collect people's spare change and dollar bills crumpled up in a bucket. All that fundraising uh, started off and still continues to this day. All your money stays in the community, but it's it's to support our Christmas efforts, to support our Thanksgiving holiday meal, our Christmas holiday meal, our Angel Tree program, which is which is massive in the county, and we service people all throughout the county with that. So uh, why are we so important with Christmas? I think well, one of my peers, another Salvation Army officer, he renamed the Angel Tree program to make a child smile. And it was kind of when you're five, six, seven, Christmas, the nobility of Christmas being about others or the religious aspect of it, certainly it's it's Jesus's birthday. It, not to a five or seven-year-old, it's about yeah. getting the toy that they right. wanted. <laughs> That's right. Right, right. And so uh, the Salvation Army puts a smile on kids' face at Christmas time. And our goal, frankly, when it comes to the Angel Tree program is to make the children not know that we exist. We, we give unwrapped toys to mom and dad and not to the kids because the uh, the kids shouldn't know that we were part of the equation. That's very good. And I think especially with programs like that, it's it's great being able to hear those stories. Is there a personal story that you can share uh, from someone who has benefited uh, from something like the Angel Giving Tree, maybe some of the services uh, that the ARPA grant funds have provided? Is there just some a personal story that you can share? Boy, one, um, one I think that highlights two of our, our programs well, and we covered a, a story on just recently, was one of our veteran families. So our, we have a, a, a program for homeless vets, and, uh, and it can take families as well. And so it was a single dad with his uh, daughter. And uh, when he became homeless, uh, for a number of reasons, he lost his daughter, which homelessness doesn't mean you lose your kid, but for a number of reasons, he lost his child. After being in our program for a few months, he was able to get more things aligned in his life, meeting with the case management, taking the, um, we have Tuesday and Thursday night classes for veterans for, uh, um, uh, there's one peer support, only veterans allowed in the room, and the other one's more um, life skills classes and uh, parenting, nutrition, budgeting. And through all these things and his case management, uh, he was able to get things, pay off more debt. He was able to solidify things more with the courts so that he could get his daughter back. And so she moved into the two-bedroom, one-bath apartment that he had here on our campus for our veterans program, and he got his daughter back. But then he uh, he was working the whole time, I think about two weeks after he entered the, our year-long program, he started working. 
uh, repairing his life, getting things back in order. And um, this uh, vet of over 12 years, he uh, moved out successfully uh, on his own. A year later, he's still successful. You know, he still has his job, living self-sufficiently, has his daughter back. And um, life was just dramatically different for him. You know, if I can give a second story, please, because I'm long-winded. No, please do. It's my expertise of giving long answers to <laughs> short questions. But uh, in one of our veteran programs, we have outside other veteran groups that will come in. You know, like, you know, veterans, kids can go to camp for free. Um, there's, heck, there's free fly fishing for veterans and many <laughs> different support services for emotional support for um, lots of benefits from the VA. But one was support dogs for uh, veterans. And one veteran, he would come every Thursday night to the mandatory veterans-only support class and said nothing, arms crossed. He'd been there for a month, and the case managers had talked about him in their weekly case conferences, talking about all their clients. How can we get this guy to open up and be part of a community? Because that's a better chance of success. Well, uh, that Thursday night was uh, support dogs, and the support dog went straight to the guy. Didn't run or anything, just casually walked up to the guy, put his head, uh, the dog's head, right on the guy's lap. And you could see something happening in the guy. And the dog kind of climbed up where uh, this um, golden retriever was uh, sitting on his lap. And the guy breaks down crying. This, this stonewall guy, cold, no, no emotions ever, busts down crying in front of a room of 15, 20 other veterans. And, um, and he ended up being able to keep one of those, uh, a service dog. And uh, it was after that that he started engaging. It was after that, about a month later, that he got a job. It was after that moment, and it was just a dog, but I guess it was more than that. It was someone taking the time to see what is the thing that we could do or help him overcome this barrier, this massive wall in his life. And so through a lot more uh, meetings with them, they found out there was a lot going on that put up that wall, and they were able to uh, refer him to other counselors. We were helpful, but he needed more than us. He, yeah. So we were able to facilitate that. And he was another successful graduate from our program, meaning he left into self-sufficiency. So we are here. Um, we're not the solution to everything, but we're here connecting people to other solutions. We, uh, yeah, changing lives. We enjoy our work. That's great. And I think those stories do a great job highlighting just the services that are offered here, uh, the things that people can expect. What does it do for you? You know, the job's tough. It doesn't pay much. And on a personal note, um, you know, I believe I'm called by God. I'm a pastor. Uh, in the Salvation Army, if you have military rank, it means you're clergy. But, um, yeah, it kind of reminds you why you do it. You know, I, we should live tough and strong and assured enough to <laughs> not need these affirmations. But, man, I'm human. <laughs> right. yeah. We all need affirmation. You told attaboy. And, you know, yeah, I don't get told attaboy by the children in our after-school center program or by clients that got food or utilities paid. But uh, when you see stuff like that, that that's the attaboy. You know, I never gave it, but that's why we're here. It's not for the attaboy, but just to be helpful. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, just... He, just seeing it, I, again, this is a podcast. It's hard to translate emotion sometimes, but you know, just, just seeing it in you, like I, I can tell, you know, this is something that, that you care about, that, that it's, you know, important to you to see those individual successes. And, you know, you talk about scale. Again, Salvation Army has a very large scale. And I think people get impressed by hearing those big numbers. You know, we serve this many people. We, you know, donate this much money. We gave this many toys, things like that. But again, uh, to me, it's those individual stories, seeing that like one success and knowing that 
that person's life has changed because of that interaction. And because of that, that's going to exponentially increase the success of that person's life and people they interact with going forward. Good point. Again, Good point. With, with, with that in mind, how do you see the Salvation Army spinning success like that forward in these other programs that you're, that you're working on? Oh, boy, don't get me started about the future because we have <laughs> a lot of uh, big plans. And uh, uh, me and a few staff members were really trying to solidify uh, a couple new big programs that we want to start in 2023. But uh, on the big scale, so our main focus, veterans and families, what we want to do is to be, we think, we know in about, two months, we're going to double our, our um, available bed space for homeless families. And two other homeless, sh- there were three homeless shelters in town, now there's one. And so the, the demand on us became so much more and uh, donors stepped up and we got $400,000 to convert the shelter to an all family shelter. That's great. We want to double that again. So that'd be quadrupling by building on our campus uh, a new homeless shelter. And we believe that the geography of where we're at near Circle and Galley is a much better place for families than the downtown corridor. And uh, I mean, there's a food desert, there's very few food options or uh, mid-level jobs, which is exactly what we're trying to get our clients to. Low level won't be successful enough and the high level there, they need a stair step to there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we think we're poised. We're in a great spot for it. We have land that we own. So we're, that is our future plans is to build on this campus. But it's also to take our veterans program, which is rated number one in the state. Uh, that's a, I should have led with that one. <laughs> we have a, our you su- got to save something for the end, man. <laughs> our success rate, if a homeless veteran enters our program, 85.7% of them graduate into self-sufficiency. And, um, and, and it's rated number one in the state for a veterans uh homeless veterans program. And so uh, we want to double that. I mean, the VA has asked us to expand. And so we're in the middle of writing our next grant for the VA homeless one. And we're, we're trying to maximize our uh, units, but uh, we need more. So we're looking to build on our property to, to uh, quadruple homeless families and to double the veterans program, which would actually put them about even right now. So uh, veterans and families, we want to double down on that, uh, to double down on both of those things, and then uh, the supporting programs that would make them successful, like adding all-day-long child care for families and, and many other programs, but those are just some of the really big highlights that, frankly, are going to take the whole community's support. I mean, we're thinking it's going to be for the, the two buildings that we need and um, – the park next to the building and all that kind of stuff. We're thinking it's going to be 20 to $22 million. And so uh, we're looking at a lot of other government entities and that'll and foundations and uh, major givers that'll make it happen. But ultimately it'll take uh, a little bit of help from a lot of people or a lot of help from a lot of people. Sorry. <laughs> sure. I said that wrong. <laughs> sure. Sure. No, no, yeah, totally yeah. understand. But that's I, our future. No, that that's, that's wonderful. And so for those who may be seeking those services, mm-hmm. uh, veterans, families, or whoever, whomever else might be able to yeah. take advantage of, of them, how can they best go about obtaining those services? Yeah, great question. So uh, the three different audiences that we, we um, create our website to attract is donors, volunteers, and uh, clients. Uh, maybe I said that in bad order, clients, volunteers, and donors. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, if you go to our website and uh, you begin to scroll down, you'll start to see the many different services, and usually there's a click for a, a secondary page where um, you know people... I think our registration for toys has ended because distribution is coming up real soon. Uh, but that's where you would have registered for toys. If you need rental assistance, there's a, a link there to our a secondary website that we have. Uh, and 
But that's where you're going to find all of our services. You'll see a, I want to volunteer in this page. So if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you want to give time, we have uh, a colleague, I think it's six, seven different volunteer opportunities. One of the big ones, ringing the silver bells in front of stores, that very much helps. Heck, that's, um, that could be more impactful in your donation is the money you raised while, while ringing a silver bell. And then there's, of course, ways to donate if people went to our, our main website. And that website is... Uh, is uh, helpcoloradosprings.com. Helpcoloradosprings.com will take you there. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add about the Salvation Army, about any of your programs, any other thing you'd like to share? Hey, uh, we generate no income, but we have a budget. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it takes, uh, it takes takes a lot of people to help support all nonprofits, and we really appreciate ARPA and the county for being able to support the Salvation Army, for putting their uh, trust in us for $50,000 this year. And uh, I heard you're verbally committing right here, right now, a quarter million for next year. Is that right? I'll have to talk with my wife about that one, but we'll, I'll get back to you. Get back I'm to at you the that. county. I'm at the county. I'm oh, just playing. I'm just playing, brother. But uh, no, we, we couldn't do it without, um, without the many uh, government entities and foundations and donors that support us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate you uh, taking the time today and for the work that you guys do uh, here at the Salvation Army. So thank you. Thank you. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.